Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. The Gospel is printed on the back of your bulletin, or you can follow along in your few Bibles on page 822. Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The preaching text today comes to us from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, and chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. It's printed on the back of your bulletins. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Word of God, word of life. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Before we really dig into this story this morning, I want to recognize that for some of you, this is not your favorite Bible story. In fact, it is a painful story because your story didn't end up like Abraham and Sarah's. 
So if that's the case for you and you're already feeling like it's too much this morning and you'd rather not listen to the sermon, that's fine. Take your leave at any point this morning um, and I know that that's the day. No hard feelings. So to really get the full picture of this story, we need to back up a little bit. In Genesis 12, God makes this initial promise to a man named Abram, whose wife Sarai, we are told, was barren. She had no child. God made a threefold promise to Abram. He would have land. He would become a great nation. That is, he would have many descendants. And he would be blessed to be a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, says God. So, obviously, this means that without the birth of a child, that promise hidden behind door number two, neither of the other two promises really matter. But the years went by, and Sarai remained barren. She and Abraham had no child, and they grew old. Sometime later, we aren't sure how long, but lots and lots of wild events happened in between, God spoke to Abram again in order to renew the promise. God took Abram outside on a starry, starry night and declared, look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. So shall your descendants be. But you can't have a sky full of descendants when you don't even have one child. And Sarai remained barren. She and Abram had no child, and they grew older still. Sarah got tired of waiting for this promised child, and so she suggested that Abram try to have a child with her slave, Hagar. Abram listened to the voice of Sarai, and finally Abram got his child, a son named Ishmael. Abraham was 86. But this left Sarai out of the promise. Wasn't she part of the covenant too? God, it seemed, wasn't done with them yet. So God appears again to Abram to repeat the promise another time. God changes Abram's name to Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations, God says. And God made it clear that Sarai was part of the covenant too. God says, Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. Abraham's reaction was twofold. First, he fell on his face and laughed. So it's not just Sarah. <laughs> Second, he asked God not to keep this particular promise. His son by Hagar was enough for him. Abraham prays, oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. So when we hear the promise again in today's story, it's not surprising that Sarah laughs. It's probably a laugh tinged with scorn since she has been waiting years upon years upon years for this promised child, and now it has ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women, which is a coded way to say she had gone through menopause. So Sarah scoffs a question, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And the messenger asks a question in return, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? 
Sarah, understandably, has been made cynical by the passing years, exhausted by God's unkept promises, afraid to start to hope again, and so clearly thinks that there are plenty of things too wonderful for the Lord, including this particular message. And yet, to her great surprise, the promise is finally delivered. She has a son, Isaac, whose name means laughter, and Sarah's scorn is turned into joy. It can be easy with this story to jump into those cliches about life. You've heard them before. You've maybe even said them to a, to a friend or a family member. God's timing is perfect. Or even Jesus' own words, everything is possible with God. We say these things to each other as a way of saying, everything's going to work out all right. But whose definition of all right are we using? Your definition? My definition? We use these sayings to try to help us not worry or not feel so bad or distract us from focusing on our suffering. But kind of like God is a genie in a bottle who will pop out and make everything right in the nick of time. But we know better, don't we? We know that those things that we long for don't always happen the way we expect. Sometimes the house sells right on time. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the bag of groceries shows up on the doorstep just when we need it. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a check comes in the mail in that perfect amount to cover the worrisome bill. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes there is a baby born. And sometimes there isn't. Does this mean that God's timing is perfect for some and not for others? That can't be true. And if it is, that's not a God I want any part of. So if this isn't a story about God granting our deepest hopes and dreams, making all of our wishes come true, what is it about? Well, let's go back to that idea that everything is possible with God. In the same way that we have tried to comfort one another with the idea that God's timing is perfect, we have used this phrase in a way that makes it seem as though faith makes every desirable thing possible. But we often forget that not everything desirable is promised. What is possible is characterized by everything that God has promised. So what has God promised us? Well, God has promised us forgiveness of sins, salvation, resurrection, newness of life, and God's abiding presence. Notice that nowhere in there does God promise the absence of suffering. And this is a challenging word, as well as some good news. It's a word that even Jesus struggles with. Theologian Walter Brueggemann reminds us that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Everything is possible to God, and yet the one thing that doesn't happen is the removal of the cup from Jesus. What God will not do is circumvent the reality of suffering 
or hurt or the cross. Because of the character of God, everything is possible for those who stay in that dark night of barrenness, whatever that looks like, with God. For Abraham and Sarah, there is no simple or painless route to an heir. And for this reason, Sarah laughs, and so does Abraham. They laugh because, in Sarah's words, God has made laughter for me. By God's powerful word, God broke the grip of death, hopelessness, and barrenness. And God is present with Abraham and Sarah through all the ups and downs that led to that final promise realized. And God does the same for you and I in all of those wishes and dreams and desires. Is anything too wonderful for God? No. The wait may be long, the outcome might be different than we had hoped, but we have been promised that God will be with us through the waiting, through the suffering, through the despair, and bring us to the other side, to newness of life, with our mouths full of laughter. Thanks be to God. Amen.